0: what for desire backed by faith knows no such thing as impossible hi this is your host arjun i'm a functional medicine health professional and personal trainer and i'm here to motivate and empower you with knowledge that'll help you to regenerate your health and align with your higher vision episode of the functional health show. Today I believe that I have a lot to share with you all so let's jump right in. In the last two episodes we discussed how stomach acid is so important when it comes to overall health. We looked at the causes that give rise to hypochlorhydria that's suboptimal stomach acid and symptoms related to it while also looking at some tests which could help confirm this from lesser-known cheap and even controversial do-it-yourself at-home tests to lab tests. If you haven't listened to these episodes, I'd highly encourage you to do so before you get on with this one. So in today's episode, we'll be discussing acid reflux and GERD, or gastrointestinal reflux disease or disorder, however you'd like to call it, and solutions to combat it. But before we begin and a bit out of context, I just want to say this one thing that I'm usually not a big fan of speaking about disease labels or stressing on them too much because I feel that it unnecessarily causes a lot of overwhelm and fear. After all, what matters is the root cause or causes that are actually causing all downstream problems in the first place. And if you address them, well, the labels probably won't matter much any which ways. So we should try and cultivate a mindset where we where we are looking beyond a disease label and trying to understand and question the symptoms that you have. And you don't have to be a doctor to understand what your body is trying to tell you and what you might be doing that's causing it to give out a distress signal. Okay, so let's get started. A quick gist on acid reflux, it's basically the acid creeping up into the esophagus, causing symptoms such as burning sensation in the chest or even chest pain, indigestion, feeling of heaviness, difficulty in swallowing, a feeling of congestion in the throat marked by a repeated clearing of the throat, bloating, gas, a sour taste in the mouth. The idea or general belief is that chronic acid reflux is what leads to GERD, a worsening of the symptoms of acid reflux over time which has its repercussions and I guess there's no denying that. Before we get to addressing the low stomach acid, let's first address acid reflux or GERD because it can so happen that sometimes acid reflux or GERD could be due to other factors not necessarily low stomach acid, though it's most likely to be related to suboptimal stomach acid. Anyways, the point is, we'd want to bring in some rapid relief and reduce the instances of reflux so that we are able to downscale the administration of medications and antacids. So let's try and address them first before we get onto low stomach acid and H. pylori overgrowth. In the center of the chest, there is a small muscular tunnel between the esophagus and stomach. It's called the lower esophageal sphincter. It is like a doorway, more like a closed fist. During your meals, this doorway is more like a fist that is open and loose. And at all other times, this doorway is tightly shut. So, acid reflux is when the doorway has a malfunction when it can't remain tightly closed when it needs to be by default. It is important to note that the lower esophageal sphincter or LES, this doorway is acid dependent. What that means is, the more acidic the contents of the stomach acid, the more tightly the LES will close. And if it is not acidic enough, the LES, this doorway, will not be tightly shut thus enabling the stomach acid to reach up and into the esophagus. Now, you might be having a question. If the stomach acid is not acidic enough, then what's causing the pain? The burning sensation in our throat, our esophagus. Well, it's the pepsin. It is the enzyme that breaks down the protein. And guess what the esophagus is made of? Proteins. So, The damage caused by pepsin, which is present in the stomach acid to our esophagus over time due to acid reflux is what we call GERD. To address this problem, we'll have to start with first of all, addressing the factors that were discussed in the last episode that has a negative impact on stomach acid. Like not being stressed, especially around mealtimes. It's important to be calm and relaxed while also remembering to chew your food properly and not drink too much liquid, especially alkaline liquids like sodas. That's a big no-no since it not just dilutes stomach acid, but goes a step further in alkalizing it. Don't overeat because that'll result in the LES blowing open by the sheer volume of food that has been crammed into the belly. Live by the Japanese 80% diet rule. Stop when you're 80% full. The people in Okinawa swear by it for a reason. Don't wear tight clothes around your midsection, especially belts or waistband, because it can put tremendous pressure on your digestive organs and push food and digestive fluids physically upwards and beyond the LES. Deficiency of magnesium. It's such an important mineral, considering the fact that most of us are deficient in this important mineral due to its depletion in our agricultural soils. If you remember from one of the episodes on magnesium, it's called the relaxation mineral. So when it's deficient, our muscles are tight and experience spasms. And guess what? Our digestive tract and the LES, they are also muscles. And what do you think will happen if the LES spasms erratically? And on the other hand, the deficiency could also be that of calcium. Because calcium is responsible for muscle contractions. And when calcium is out of balance, you can expect that most likely vitamin D might be off scale too. Now that doesn't mean that you jump on to calcium and vitamin D supplementation. Where there is supplementation involved, you've got to be careful. I'll be talking about supplementation in one of the upcoming episodes. But surely what you can do now, and always, is getting enough exposure to sunlight, while also considering intake of organ meats, or optionally having desiccated beef organs, for example, in a supplement form, since it's very nutrient-dense. Actually, this whole deficiency thing becomes more of a what comes first, the chicken or the egg, kind of scenario. As we know, hypochlorhydria impairs mineral and B12 absorption. There are also some foods that could be causing an irritation to the LES. And we could consider to stop the intake of these foods on a temporary basis. Especially if you are suffering from episodes of reflux on a daily basis and having medications and antacids to address it. Some of the main trigger foods include cooked tomato sauce, black tea, coffee, citrus juices, sodas, alcohol, spicy foods, products containing mint, chocolate, fried foods. For the time being, if you can eliminate or at least reduce the consumption of the foods in this list that triggers acid reflux would really help in achieving some rapid relief. Actually, a good place to start with regards to elimination would be dairy. Things like milk, ice cream, cheese, cream, etc. In most cases, it brings tremendous relief. And if you find there's not much relief or no relief at all, then you can move forward and eliminate gluten and soy because it's likely that you have developed food sensitivities, which usually starts with these foods, including casein and perhaps in some cases, even corn. There might be other food sensitivities at play too, which we'll get into in another episode. Basically, you've got to play around and experiment with foods. We are all different and unique individuals so it's not possible to provide you with a comprehensive list or a direct answer because there isn't any. It depends from person to person. My job is not to give you answers because in the first place there isn't one answer that applies to everybody. My job is to provide you with the tools that will help you to figure out your own unique answer. Moving forward, You've got to be aware of reflux triggers due to pharmaceutical drugs such as nitrates, anticholinergesics, benzodiazepines, which are commonly prescribed for anxiety or insomnia, calcium channel blockers, which are used for hypertension and theophylline. If that's the case, you'll need to talk to your doctor. I would also recommend that if there's a suspicion of hiatal hernia, it's better to test and check it out. With that, we wrap up today's episode. Next episode, we'll be discussing about H. pylori and how to combat its overgrowth, supporting and repairing our mucous membrane and solutions to reacidify stomach acid. See you tomorrow. Until then, have a nice day or evening. If you'd like to keep in touch, subscribe to the newsletter. For more personalized support, you can start by scheduling a free call with me. If you find what I do helpful, you can support the show by becoming a patron. All links can be found below in the show notes. Until next time, stay healthy, stay happy.